You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received the sight, and he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked him, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. That was quite a lot. Anchored, all of us are blind. Although that may seem quite surprising to some of us, it's true. 
we all have our blind spots. We, we miss the needs of those around us. Sometimes we even tend to miss the things within ourselves. And yes, like this man in our passage, we too were once blind to the light and the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now in our, now, now in our text this morning, Jesus presents to us two kinds of blind people. Firstly, there are those that are blind but have received their faith. And then there are those that are blind and haven't. Another way of putting it is, there are the people that know they're blind and the people that think they can see. You see, in the very beginning of this passage, we're introduced to a man who's literally blind. But as the passage carries on, we see that this man will then become known as the man who was formerly blind. But then later, we're also introduced to a group of people, the Pharisees. And these are the men that thought they could see. But as we carry on in our text, we see that they were truly the blind ones. Now, this passage this morning um, speaks to us of this physical miracle, this man's eyes being healed and he could see, but it speaks to much more as well. It's not just physical sight that it's pointing us to, but spiritual sight, as we will see. Now, I just want to um, create some context for where we are in chapter 9. So chapter 9 like, carries on ex- like from chapter 8, where Jesus claims himself to be the light. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but I will have the light of life. And it's, it's after all these things, at the end of chapter 8, Jesus walks out of the temple and then encounters this man. And yeah, this, because this passage is so long, I've kind of tried to break it up for us in, into five scenes. Um, scene one is the man's first encounter with Jesus, then the man's encounter with the neighbors, then the first and second encounter with the Pharisees, and then finally Jesus's encounter with the man, the, the ultimate encounter. But let's start at verse one. We read, as he passed by, he saw the man blind from birth. I think it's important for us to just take note that Jesus sees the man. He walks out of this temple and he notices this blind man. We know that this man has lived his whole life in utter darkness. In fact, we can presume that he doesn't even know at this moment that Jesus is standing looking at him. He doesn't know that Jesus is about to change his life dramatically. The text also provides us with some information that's that's really important to us, where it says this man was blind from birth, and later we'll see that out of this man's lips, he's going to say that no other person has been healed who was born blind. And this points to the the miraculous, the, the magnitude of this miracle that Jesus has done in our text. But then we see the disciples in verse 2 ask Jesus, who sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents? You see, the problem is the disciples were looking at this man and not seeing his need, but seeing a lesson. You see, that was not a bad theological question. 
that they asked Jesus, who sinned? And I'm sure that they were expecting Jesus to give a theological treatment, an answer to this. But Jesus doesn't. You see, while the disciples looked past the man's need, Jesus saw the need. And that's why Jesus came, to address that need that he saw in that man. Jesus answers and says, no, it, it wasn't this man that sinned or his parents that sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, we might think that this need that this man had was purely physical. Yet when Jesus replies and says that the works of God might be displayed in him, Jesus is referring to a much deeper need. The need for this man to see the light, the light which is Christ. We've seen in chapter 8 that Jesus points to himself as this light, the light of the world. And here in verse 5, we see that again where Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. You see, Jesus has come to earth to reveal to us the glory of God. Now, having said all these things, we see Jesus kneel down to the ground, spit in the ground and make mud with his saliva and he anoints this man's eyes with that mud. That's quite confusing. It's quite strange. You know, let's put ourselves in, in this blind man's shoes. At first, he doesn't know that these people are looking at him, but then I'm sure he can start hearing them speaking about him, and the next moment, there's these hands on his eyes, and he's anointed. But I also want us to see that Nowhere in our passage do we see that this man calls out to Jesus. He doesn't declare him as the Messiah. But yet Jesus goes down and he anoints him. This is where we see the mercy and the grace of God the Father displayed through Jesus as he enacts this anointing on this man. Furthermore, Jesus gifts him the faith when he says, Go. Go to Siloam and wash your face. The blind man, having the mud on his face after this quite strange interaction, asks no questions. He merely gets up, goes to the pool, washes his face, and sees. This man, through the gift of sight, has been gifted a new life. But not just that. As we carry on in our passage, we see that this gift of sight comes with the gift of a progressive understanding of who Jesus truly is. And that leads us into our second scene, enter the neighbors. So in verse 8, we see that, the, that it's the neighbors who know who this man is. And they ask, is, is this not the man that used to sit and beg? Some say it is, some say it isn't. But the man says, yes, it is. Just imagine the surprise and the shock and the disbelief of these people as they saw this man who was born blind seeing. They would probably say, isn't that the blind man that, that was sitting there begging on the corner? Well, yes, but no. He was that blind man, but his eyes have now been opened 
and he is seeing for the first time. So they ask him, then how were your eyes opened? Simple question. I think everyone over here would ask him that question. But I want us to take a look at the answer the man, the formerly blind man, gives. Because this will be the first point of the progression of understanding who Jesus is. He doesn't say, Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Messiah. He says, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. That's it. Just the man called Jesus. That's quite interesting. They go on and they ask, where is he? To which he responds, I don't know. Interesting question. But the thing is, this man hasn't had the chance to see Jesus. The only encounter that he had with him, had with him was with closed eyes. We need to remember that Jesus sent him away, and that's when he saw. So he has no recollection of any of Jesus' physical attributes because the first thing he saw, well, it wasn't Jesus. So now we can understand that everyone was quite confused. No one's understanding what's happening. This man who was born blind is seeing. He's answering their questions, but no one knows what's happening. So where do they take him? Well, to the people that they expect to have the answers, the Pharisees. Now, I just want to note here that taking them to the Pharisees wasn't necessarily a bad thing to do. I think we would kind of expect that to be a bad thing, but it isn't. Because like I said, they were confused and the religious leaders of the day should be the ones who have the answers. But again, they don't. We see that he is brought in front of the Pharisees and then, and then John, the writer of the gospel, tells us that this healing took place on the Sabbath day. Now, this is important because in many cases we've seen how the Pharisees have tried to make Jesus out to be a sinner or a lawbreaker for doing things on the Sabbath day. But an interesting side point over here is Jesus didn't actually break any law in doing this. We, we might think so, but the laws that he was breaking were verbal laws. They were the traditions of the Pharisees. None of the written laws were broken. The Pharisees were holding their traditions up against Jesus and expecting Jesus to be subordinate to that. Now, what were these laws? Well, firstly, healing. Second, the act of kneading, like you would knead dough, so they classify making the clay or making the mud. And then the anointing of the eyes. But again, it's important to note that Jesus didn't break any of the laws, but it was their traditions that they were holding up against him. So here we see for the first time, they ask the man, well, how is it that you received your sight? And he answers them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Let's see if they listened to that answer. Now, some of the Pharisees replied, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath, again, trying to make Jesus out to be a lawbreaker. But others said, how can this man who is a sinner do such things? That's an interesting division that's happening over there, because it's almost like some of these Pharisees are kind of getting that what's happening here is quite a big deal. But yet... All these Pharisees with their eyes wide open who have plowed through the scriptures, none of them seem to see what's truly going on. 
the miracle that has taken place here is massive. Because throughout the Old Testament, we see that there will, that there will be this one who comes to bring sight to the blind, light to the darkness. We saw that in our Isaiah passage this morning. We see that in Psalm 146, verse 8, and Isaiah 29, verse 18, all these verses point to that light, dark, sight, and blind. Yet the Pharisees cannot see the miracle for what it is because they're blinded by their self-righteousness. They're trying to encase this good news, this miracle, with their traditions and their laws. And isn't that sometimes something that we tend to do? We get this free gift from Jesus, and we we wrap it up in law for ourselves, in our own self-righteousness. We try and make it our own little thing. But then I want us to focus here on verse 17. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He is a prophet. He said he is a prophet. So did did we catch that progression from Jesus is just the man Jesus to he is a prophet? This also has a beautiful parallel to last week's um, sermon that we heard with the woman at the well where she tells Jesus, Sir, I perceive you to be a prophet. In our text today, we can see that that there is a definite growing in the understanding of this man of who Jesus is with every interaction that he has. Now, let's see how this carries on. From verse 18 through 23, we are introduced to this man's parents. Why? Because the Pharisees, they don't believe him. Well, we can assume that they don't want to believe him, but they don't. So they bring in the parents, and the parents say, yes, this is our child. Yes, he was born blind. But how he received that sight, we do not know, and we don't want to even attempt to give an answer. Why? Out of fear. They're scared to be thrown out of the synagogue. They're scared to be associated even with this man named Jesus. If they were to say, well, maybe Jesus did heal my son, they would be chucked out. So they'd rather stay safe in the synagogue than proclaim Jesus. They'd rather keep their eyes closed and blinded than to accept the truth and the gift of who Jesus is and what he worked through their son. Scene four, our second interaction, or our second interrogation, actually, with the Pharisees. Now, for the second time, this man is called and said, and the Pharisees say to him, give glory to God, basically saying, tell the truth. We know that this man is a sinner, this man being Jesus. You see, they want this man to tell the truth. They, they still don't believe his testimony, but we need to understand that the Pharisees didn't want this miracle to be true. They didn't want Jesus to, you know, they don't want Jesus to have done this miracle because this miracle takes them out of the game. They can't control what happened here with their laws and their regulations, their traditions. They're trying to bind Jesus down with those traditions, like I said previously. You see, this miracle, this is a gift given by Jesus to this man. This man was freed by Jesus. We can almost call this 
a gospel miracle. This man did nothing to deserve what he got from Christ. Christ gifted it to him. But the Pharisees are trying to place the law, place expectations, works on top of all those things. So the man answers, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. And again, we see they ask, well, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? Obviously, they didn't listen to the first time he answered the question. And he answers, I've told you, and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do Do you want to become his disciples too? Well, we see that the man still doesn't know everything about Jesus, but he just stood on the truth of the reality of what happened to him. That's all that he has from Jesus now. That's what Jesus has gifted to him, and that's busy growing through these interactions. You know, he, he actually showed that he was also quite smart and not shying away from this interrogation. And he has a point, you know, they keep asking him this question, so pff, wouldn't they want to be disciples too? No, Jesus is actually just, oh, not Jesus, the man, sorry, is actually just mockingly telling these uh, Pharisees or calling out their unjustified rejection of Jesus. We see that this angers them and they say, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. How ironic. You know, because Moses spoke about Jesus in his writings. I mean, even Jesus says that to us in John chapter 5, verse 46 to 47, where he says, For if you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? You see, the Pharisees had no intention of accepting Christ For though they claimed to be followers of Moses, in in truth they weren't, because if you were a follower of Moses, who was a follower of Christ, then you would be a follower of Jesus. But the Pharisees, they were following themselves. The man picks up on this, and he says, why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to them. You know, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of the man born blind. And the next part of the progression, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Man, prophet, man from God. They answer him, you were born in Utterson, And would you teach us? And they cast him out. One thing I want us to notice through every encounter, and and I've said this before, that every encounter, this man's eyes are open to the truth about who Jesus is. And yet, while that's true for him, the complete opposite is true for the disciples. With every encounter and every question, we're just shown how blind they are and how willfully blind they are to the truth of Jesus. And enter our final scene. Jesus heard that the man cast him out, and having found him, he said, 
Do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus saw him. Jesus approached him the first time. Jesus anointed him. And Jesus found him. This man wasn't looking. Yet Jesus found him grace and mercy. The man, ans asked, uh, the man answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe? And it's at this moment that we see that Jesus opens his eyes to the true reality of him, of who Jesus is. Here Jesus is going to gift him, just like he did that woman at the well. He's going to gift him himself. He's going to open this man's eyes to Jesus, the Son of Man, the Messiah, and the Savior, when he says, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. Jesus gave himself to this man at that moment. Here we see the true and most significant reveal. The blind man now truly and fully sees, not just physically, but spiritually. In the beginning, the man was seen and touched by Jesus now the man walks in the light of the promise. He walks in the light of Christ. And he walks in the light of life. But as for the Pharisees, who throughout this passage thought they could see, Jesus tells them, you're blind. You have rejected me and ultimately you are the blind ones. You see, throughout our text, we see the blind become the seeing, and those who are seeing actually turn out to be the blind. Now we ask ourselves, how do we fit in? Where do we fit in this picture? Anchored, we are that blind man. You see, Jesus spoke a promise to him a promise of light and life. And he believed it. And that's good. But we also need to understand that this man was still just a man. Yes, this man was saved by the gift and the promise of Jesus. But at the same time, he was still marked by sin. The same time saved by that free gift of the word and sinner. You know, that saint and sinner paradigm. The same is true for us. Jesus saw our need. He spoke words of life into our deaf ears. He opened our blind eyes to see him in truth and glory. Yet our need for his grace and mercy is new every day. Our need for his forgiveness is new every day. On the one hand, just like this man, we are saved and secure in the hands of our Savior, and nothing can pull us away from that. But at the same time, we are being shaped and molded as we go through this walk. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, that we aren't perfect. You see, like I mentioned in the beginning, we all have our blind spots. We fail to recognize the sin within ourselves. And the blind spots could be anything. It could be your temper. It could be the way you approach people. 
interact. It could be any one of those things that makes us a sinner. It could be the fact that we fail to see the needs of those around us. The fact that we disregard people's feelings, overlook people's struggles, and even look past the concerns of others. It could happen in our house. It could happen at our work. And it could happen here amongst, our, amongst the body of believers. But anchored in Christ, we have our hope. In Jesus, we see the love and the mercy of the Father. Jesus makes that love and mercy known to us. You see, anchored, Jesus sees you, a sinner, and he gives himself to you. Like the formerly blind man, you have been given a new pair of eyes, eyes that can see Jesus for who he is, the Son of Man. Jesus saw you in your place of need, the darkness, the sin, the self-righteousness, and he said, here I am. I am the one who opens the eyes of the blind. I am the light, the glory of God, and in me you will find rest and forgiveness and eternal hope. And this morning, Jesus is giving you that rest and forgiveness and hope. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.